I'm, I'm actually very, very happy that uh, I went after Stephanie because um, this is the first time I've given a talk in Europe. Uh, so thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, when I give, uh, when I generally speak, uh, everything that uh, Stephanie went over, uh, actually everybody in the audience already knows. Uh, so that, that uh, I'm very, very happy uh, to have uh, to be following her. Um, so what we look at is China. Uh, China is like the next billion. So the way we think about it is uh, Western Europe and the U.S. are kind of like the first, you know, the first billion-ish, um, their first world. Your first experiences with the internet were, were, on, a, uh, were on a PC. Uh, a lot of you started off as digital. Some of you in here might even be old enough to start off as analog. Okay, but with China, it's the second billion, the next billion, uh, and they're they're mobile first. They're mobile only. Um, China currently has about 720 million internet users. Uh, it is the largest mobile-first, mobile-only market in the world. Uh, and I started covering it uh, in 2004 when the total market cap, the total value of the China internet uh, space was 3 billion US dollars. Uh, today it's 850 billion. Uh, so three out of the top six internet companies in the world by market cap are Chinese. Uh, and they're actually focused mostly on, on China alone. Um, China business breaks down into two parts, very simple. Uh, E-commerce, selling stuff, and games, entertaining people. So where is China behind? Uh, China you know, is a, a market that uh, only really started about 15 years ago. Uh, the first area is advertising. So as opposed to... Um, the uh, US and Western Europe maybe five or 10 years ago, China, all the inventory, the publishers, there's basically three publishers in the entire market. And it's not in the interest of those publishers to be transparent and open, because they have a, a hegemony, they have almost a monopoly, okay? So advertising has lagged. Also B2B, uh, business to business. Um, it's a consumer market. Uh, you do not have companies paying for software. Most business is actually conducted on consumer apps. Uh, so it's very, very difficult uh, to, to make money by serving corporates, uh, especially when everybody's using you know, WeChat to run their business. But where's China ahead? The first area is social. So right now, I would say social in China is maybe a year and a half to two years ahead of Western Europe uh, and, uh, and the US. Uh, how is that? Uh, well. If you go onto Facebook, you go in and, and you can't buy anything, okay? But if you go into WeChat or Weibo or any social network in Asia, uh, you can generally buy anything that you see. Uh, so social is way ahead, commerce is way ahead for many of the reasons that Stephanie talked about. Uh, P2P, uh, the banking system is pretty shit in China. Uh, so people can't get consumer credit, so they do P2P person-to-person -person loans. Uh, and then finally, Bitcoin. Uh, 70 to 80% of the Bitcoin in the world is held uh, by Chinese. That's mostly because they control uh, the mining operations. Um, but cryptocurrency becomes very, very important when you have a controlled currency environment. Uh, so Bitcoin is really taking off. So these, these, uh, these are the top three in China. Uh, we call them the BAT. There's actually a couple other ones uh, that uh, try and creep in every once in a while. Uh, BAT Baidu. Uh, Alibaba and Tencent. And what you're looking at there is their market capitalizations. So Alibaba is a $250 billion company. Tencent's a $250 billion company. Baidu uh, spent too much time focused on developing tech. Uh, they kind of missed mobile. Um, we'll see whether they're able to leapfrog up with their artificial intelligence programs. 
but they've been sort of falling behind. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about Tencent to help you understand uh, how Chinese internet companies are very different than any companies, uh, especially in Germany or, or Europe or even the US. Um, so four years ago, uh, Tencent had 519 product groups. Uh, so a product group is basically like a company within Tencent. Your pro product manager is like a CEO. They have resources. They have a space that they're in. They have goals. Their goals is to take over. Okay? They're almost like independent companies. Uh, so Tencent got a very, very bad reputation for killing startups. But it wasn't really Tencent killing startups. It was the companies within Tencent killing the startups around them. Uh, and it, it's kill or be killed. So the goal here for you as a product manager, as a CEO, is to build your business as quickly as possible. So Tencent does not have an innovator's dilemma. The innovator's dilemma is like, okay, do I cannibalize my current business with a new business? Um, it's automatically occurring. So um, as of uh, about a year ago, uh, WeChat was worth 83 out of uh, 168 billion market caps. About half the value of Tencent, uh, now it's 250 million. So let's say 125 billion in market cap uh, is WeChat, and this is a service that didn't exist four and a half years ago. And it started off as a little product group. It's not even in the headquarters city of Shenzhen, it's in Guangzhou, uh, a couple hours away. And it started off as a product group, and they built it out, and first they killed all the competition, okay? And then they started killing QQ Mobile, which is where all Tencent's revenue comes from. Uh, and they started taking users away, taking revenue away, basically destroying the service. And after a little while, you know, the, the company said sort of time out, you know, let's not, let's not kill us too quickly. Um, but what you, what you get here is a company that's a $250 billion market cap. They did five and a half billion US dollars in revenue last quarter, and they're still growing 50% year on year. And they're not outside of China yet. Um, do you have any companies that grow like that here or in the US? Don't think so. So I saw this a few years ago when, when WhatsApp uh, was in the process of getting bought. And my first reaction is these guys are the biggest bunch of idiots in the entire world. Um, first of all, they, they had a business model that made no sense. Pay a dollar a year, yeah, and then actually they went from a dollar a year to zero. So they went from no business model to like negative business model. But the, the issue with these guys is they had a huge opportunity and they sold out. Um, they had the opportunity to be a messaging platform and add on stickers. And stickers, you know, those little emoji, they're lots of fun, but people all around the world love sending stickers. In fact, it's a lot easier to use a sticker to communicate with somebody uh, than words. Uh, and so you can have an entire conversation in stickers. Stickers are a great way to monetize, but these guys are like, no, we're not gonna do stickers. We're not gonna do payments. We're not gonna do anything. We're just going to have a, a slightly better version of SMS. So this is one of the few areas where entrepreneurs were less intelligent than their investment bankers. Because when the investment bankers sold WhatsApp to Facebook for $19 billion, they used the WeChat, the WeChat valuation to justify that price. Um, now, Facebook was quite smart. They bought WhatsApp, and then they stuck it in a corner um, because you know, it was a threat. Uh, WhatsApp could have uh, ended up uh, being another uh, a WeChat, uh, $125 billion instead of, uh, in, instead of just uh, $19. Um, so we're in a messaging world. Uh, we start off with messaging, but it's not just about uh, just the messaging. Um, you can do 
lots of different things. Banking, you can buy a car, you can buy a Lamborghini, uh, you can do crowdfunding, uh, you can pay for a Coke uh, in a store. So it's a WeChat world, we just live in it, okay? Uh, in terms of um, the breakdown, how do they compare? Um, I don't have a clock, but uh, there we go. Well, whatever, I'll just keep on talking. Uh, <laughs> Facebook and, uh, yeah, Facebook and uh, WeChat. So Facebook uh, started off as open. Um, we had Zynga. Now, I don't know whether you love Zynga or hate Zynga, but Zynga built a business on top of WeChat, uh, uh, Facebook. And then what happened was Facebook decided to grow a revenue model and they chose you know, advertising over commerce. They chose the, a platform, uh, a, a, media pro, um, a media model over a platform. So Facebook went from open to closed. Well, WeChat is actually open. Uh, instead of making money on ads, they make money on commerce, specifically social commerce. Uh, and social commerce is the sort of the, the, me the mega trend here. Uh, social commerce is something that you don't have here in Western Europe. It doesn't exist in the US, uh, but it's uh, taking Asia and the rest of the world by storm. And it's something that you should, uh, should definitely pay attention to. And what happens in social commerce? Well, you take content, you build a community, you engage that community with more content, you use data to understand what they're doing, uh, and then you monetize them, not by showing them ads, but by selling them stuff. It's very, very user-centric. So who here loves ads? Nobody likes ads. I think in China, it's like 0.05% engagement rate with an ad, and most people who click on ads did it by accident. Uh, with social commerce, you know, you're engaging not with an ad, but with a trusted friend. In fact, it might be your friend selling you something. Your friend might not even know that your friend is selling you something. So it's about acquisition with content. You engage, you know, you add value, and then you retain, and then, and then you monetize. So this is, what, this is an actual example. This is, a, a, um, this is an actual company. Um, and so this is what a, a social commerce funnel looks like. So you start off with fans. You're basically followers. Anybody who's ever really interacted with your brand. So that can be a very, very big number. And then you engage them with great content. Um, you try about, right now we're getting about 10%, 10 to 15% of all of our followers, all of our historical customers uh, engage with us on a daily basis. And then a certain percent, 5% of those people who engage with us go to our store. Uh, and then 3% of the people who go to the store buy something. So what this ends up being, and this is actually one month after launch, one month after we launched the store, we are ending up with a 0.45% monthly conversion of follower to purchase. So think about that. There's no more funnel. Your existing customers are already in a community, and half a percent of them are purchasing every month and you don't have to actually pay any money to get them to do that. So what does that, what does that, what does that mean? Well, advertising's dead. No more advertising. So this is, this is how, well, this is, uh, well, this is the, basically the end of Google, because you can have all your uh, you know, automatic cars and shit, but the issue with Google is they make money on ads, and when ads go away, they're done. So what we do at China Accelerator is we teach people, uh, startups that we work with, uh, how, to, how, to, uh, how to get to customer acquisition cost zero. So going forward, what's the new opportunity? Where are we focused? I mean, I'm not an expert, I'm an investor. We're here to make money. 
Uh, and our focus is the last four billion. This is where the growth is. It's not in Western Europe, it's not in America. Uh, it's in the rest of the world, the last four billion. Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe, South America, Africa, we went there mm, a little too early. Uh, they don't actually have very much money there at all. Um, what kind of market is this? Again, it's mobile first, mobile only. So do you think that people in Southeast Asia are gonna use a product developed by Germans? No. They're much more likely to use a product developed by someone in China who came from a more like mobile first, mobile only background. So you have 10,000 hours of experience. You know, you're an expert in something, right? You, you, you have that pattern recognition, you have gut instinct. But when you go to a mobile first, mobile only market, your gut instinct is telling you to do the exact opposite of what you should be doing. The problem with the emerging markets and the problem with uh, these companies is that virality is dead. These are all walled gardens. Tencent, Alibaba, even Apple, if they got their act together. Facebook, Google, they're walled gardens. It's a, it's a walled garden market. I'll give you an example of what happens when you have a walled garden. Most people in Western Europe and the US do not believe that there's any money in the emerging markets. Why? Well, think about Google Play. Google Play is the number one app, platform, app store in the world. In order to be on Google Play, you need to have Google Wallet. But the problem is, Google Wallet doesn't work in the emerging markets. So if you don't have a wallet, then there's no way to make money. And as a result, very difficult for any of you to enter any of these mar markets. Let's talk about these markets. So this is Brazil. Um, most of the, uh, most of the, the company, most of the um, leading companies uh, outside of Facebook and Google in the emerging markets are actually Chinese. And they're, they're companies that you probably never heard of. Uh, do you guys know Doodle Mobile or, or Cheetah Mobile? The little red flags up here are what we're talking about. This is India. You know, basically six, three out of the top six in India are, are Chinese players. Um, you probably heard of Alibaba Group, but you don't probably know ShareIt. Um, overall, worldwide, if you take out Pokemon Go, which is already on the way out, um, you know, three out of the top nine players in the world are Chinese. Now, the issue is that none of you have ever used their apps, or at least you don't know that you've used their apps. These players are taking over Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe, South America. And, like, let's not beat around the bush. It's a war, okay? It's not a war being fought here. It's a war being fought where the future growth is. Uh, it's a pay-to-play market. And, and this, is, this is an issue for me as a VC. Um, so everybody looks up to Mark Zuckerberg. He was a student. He saw a problem. He had a platform, like his school email list, and he launched a great product in his dorm room um, that, uh, you know, that, that, that people love and many, many people use today. The issue with Facebook now, no, that, um, now is that... Mark Zuckerberg has made it impossible for there to be another Mark Zuckerberg, okay? Mark Zuckerberg is, and Facebook is killing innovation because in a pay-to-play market, you need to have money in order to buy advertising, in order to get users. It does not matter how good your product is if you don't have money. And students, like Mark Zuckerberg was, they don't have money and they don't have powerful friends. So what we're left with right now is a 1% market. It's actually a 0.1% market. Okay, 0.1% of the companies are making 99.5% of the money. And as a VC, we're screwed. So we're investing in startups, trying to change the world, hopefully make a buck. 
Uh, but when all of my money is going into a company and the entrepreneur is giving up preferred shares to me and then taking that money and not spending it on product, not spending it on technology, but spending it on Google and Facebook ads, then the market is broken. So we tried to do something about it and we launched a platform. Uh, it's four years in the making. Uh, it's a smartphone platform. We have 150 million users. Right now, we're adding 10 million users a month. So currently in emerging markets, uh, well, globally speaking, we control 5.6% of the smartphone users in the world. Uh, we call it Mox. Uh, and our goal is to open up the platform again. Um, so this is a screenshot of my phone, but we want to provide the best from around the world, whether it came from a large corporation or somebody's dorm room, and put it on that phone. And we give the distribution for free. So we're trying to flip the model here. So free user acquisition. Now, of course, we have a lot of user data, just like Facebook and Google does. Uh, we, uh, of course, we ask for permission when we use it. Um, and we have an advertising platform. We have a payment platform, over 50 countries. Uh, because in this future, in the emerging markets, with you know, Chinese coming in and, and basically taking over these markets, because you know, they've got a lot of money and they're paying to play, uh, it's very difficult to play fair. Um, you know, the emerging markets, it's like a knife fight. Uh, and generally speaking, uh, the best way to win a knife fight is to bring a gun. Uh, so we are all about unfair advantage. If you want to compete uh, in a marketplace where things are not fair, you need to play with an unfair advantage. So we're a fund. Uh, we're, uh, according to TechCrunch, we're the number three seed investor in the world. We invest in 150 companies a year. Uh, we invest through accelerator programs. So China Accelerator is the first accelerator in Asia. We've got the first hardware accelerator in the world. 8% uh, of all million-dollar campaigns on Kickstarter went through our program. Uh, we also have the first synthetic biology accelerator in the world. And finally, we're experimenting with food. These are all markets where they're controlled by very large companies. Uh, but things are changing. Technology is allowing you to innovate and come up with new types of, 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 uh, of products. Say in food, before you needed a factory, you needed packaging, you needed you know, a whole infrastructure to deliver a food product. Well, things are changing now, not just in food, uh, but also in biotech and in hardware. And again, we're a fund, uh, so we have a 36% net realized IRR. Basically, it means that we're uh, top 5% of VCs in the world in terms of performance. So hopefully that was useful. Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, appreciate it. Thank you, William. Just stay with me for a moment. William, 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 don't run oh. from stage. Will you do a Q&A? We've got, we got a few more moments. OK. And I'd just well. I'd like to ask you one question, William. Thanks for just this one. insight. OK. Um, have you given up on the Europe and US or America market? Um, well, we given up on it. Uh, no, I, I would say that uh, there's not very much opportunity here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the the um, it's it's growth rates. It's growth okay. rates. So what we're focused on is cross-border uh, innovation arbitrage. Um, now, what we are doing, and the reason why I'm here, is actually to bring companies from Europe and Germany into Southeast Asia and into China. Uh, it's very difficult to take you know, a, uh, a, a company from, uh, from, from here and bring them into the emerging markets. Mm -hmm. But that's what we specialize in. Um, so am I going to be investing in 
European companies for Europe? No, because I am not an expert. What's my unfair advantage here? I don't have one. You guys have unfair advantage here. But I have an unfair advantage in the emerging markets, and you guys can leverage that to come into my markets, or the markets where I'm active. Thank you, William. I've got somebody for you here. Yeah. She's coming on stage now. It's Gertrud Hirzer. She's from our sponsor, T-Systems, and maybe you two want to hook up okay. uh, Hi. Hi, later this <laughs> afternoon <laughs> because she specialized in these platforms. Thank you, William. Thanks We're going to have a little chat with Gertrud now. Now? Yeah. Now, oh, just now. Okay. No, no, just to, uh, <laughs> But you can <laughs> stay <laughs> if you want to. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you, William. Oh, he wanted to flee. <laughs> you need this thing? No, I don't need it. Okay, this was a lot of things. A very dense and thrilling morning. He was, he was pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah. So, what have you impressed the most? Um, yeah, you know, I also want to reflect to Stefania, like this session also very much, yeah. uh, and his uh, session. So, um, uh, my, uh, the most amazing thing for me is this openness uh, to buy things online. And I thought by myself, what are they doing with all that stuff? It's so, so much, it's all about buying online things. So maybe the next trend is to depose off all that stuff, to have a, a, um, a, a, a platform which, which takes all the stuff off. <laughs> what are you doing with T-Systems? What can you do in this market? Or can you do anything? Um, yes, I hope. Um, but, uh, you know, the difference to what we heard before is uh, we have all these uh, data security laws. Mm -hmm. So just in this morning, I read that the European Court of uh, Legacy or Justice uh, decided that open wireless LAN has to be protected by a password. So I don't know if this is uh, the same in China. Um, and maybe this gives us a little bit of disadvantage in the global play. Um, so it's a very fine line. So we, in, in Europe, we are very keen on, on having this privacy and mm -hmm. having this data protection. But listening to William and to Stephanie, um, this might be a, not a USP anymore. Currently, we think German cloud and, and uh, yeah. German internet is, is an advantage, but I'm not so sure if that's tomorrow as well. Okay. Yeah. But which providers in Germany do you think have the opportunity and ability to build a platform like this? I mean, I have to say that. <laughs> Um, I, okay. I, I hope it's the Deutsche Telekom, but I also think... But where uh, is what, it? Um, you know, we started uh, with, with an IoT platform uh, a couple of months ago, and I think that's uh, the next play in, in Europe, this IoT and Internet 4.0. Um, I think everything is, is shivering and, 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 and waiting to connect data and, and to talk to each other via the cloud. So. I hope this is our advantage for the Deutsche Telekom uh, to, to get our place in the world um, because we have the connectivity, it's all about the connectivity and, and we have the network, the infrastructure, so um, I think that's our chance uh, we have to take, but we have to be fast, otherwise yeah, uh, so, yeah. will come with his companies yeah. and, and take everything. Okay, um, last question, you had a workshop yesterday on digital platforms, Yes. Um, what were the results? 
Um, yeah, the results, it was uh, nice sessions. Um, the result was uh, that we have to start uh, thinking end-to-end-wise, not only the silo thinking. Mm -hmm. Normally in IT, uh, we have this the silo uh, thinking and we have to, to open our minds to really think end-to-end. -end. Uh, we have to think about the connectivity, the devices, the sensors, and uh, how, to, how we let uh, talk things uh, with to each, each other. other. Okay. Right. Thank you, Gertrud, for these insights. And I think I think these talks yet they were very open-minding. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Gertrude. <laughs> Thank you as bye well. Bye. bye.